The Sports the Stance. Stance. Hey everyone, and welcome to The Sports Dance. I'm your host, Greg, and this week we're kicking off the show with Paul's pylon. Paul himself, I mean, I don't even know if it's a segment anymore when you're like over half the show. You know, so we're just going to, we ended the show last week with Paul. We're kicking off this week with Paul. I mean, I think the segment's gone. I think he's just a co-host now. Nah, I wouldn't go, I I wouldn't go that far because, you know, I always take you a lead. Uh, Well, that's why I'm the main host. You're the co-host. The co-host. Okay. You're you're my Robin. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. You got to say it right. I'm Batman. Perfect. Thank you. I know someone that's going to be jealous. Is it Christian Bale? Because he should be. Because he thinks he's Batman. (laughs) He's got to grow a few inches. (laughs) Anyway, so we're kicking off the show with Paul. One, because we got to talk Super Bowl. We're going to talk Super Bowl game, the commercials, some of our prop bets. And then we're going to get into Mookie Betts, trade it from the Red Sox, at least unofficially. It's not official yet. We're going to talk about the hangups with that. We're going to get into it because they just had the parade. It's Friday. The game was last Sunday. So before you forget about it, let's get into it. So the Super Bowl, Chiefs were victorious, 31-20. The score is a little misleading, though, because they scored 21 points in the final six minutes of the game, which is crazy to think. But that's that's just how explosive they are. What were so, your thoughts on the game? So... I, you know, of course, I had the uh, the 49ers winning, and clearly I was wrong. I had it 34 to 35. Clearly I was wrong. Um, the one thing that everybody was right about is that the Chiefs are dangerous in the fourth quarter. I think Mahomes went in. First he thought he was too excited. Then they thought he was too calm. He went into the game, and he got his groove on, and he killed it in the fourth quarter. He they went down by 10 points. That's apparently what you are not supposed to do against the Chiefs. If they, they kept it seven-point lead only, maybe they win. <laughs> well, they were fired up. Um, it was – I guess I watched it and thinking, where the hell did the defense go for the 49ers? Every pass Mahomes threw, there wasn't anybody within 20 feet of the, of the receiver. It was awful. It was Absolutely just- awful. I think the magic, I think the speed finally caught up. I mean, Richard Sherman is a great cornerback, but he's not hes not young anymore. He's not as fast. He's tore his Achilles two years ago. I mean, there was a play they showed the third and 15 really was the backbreaker. Tyreek Hill somehow gets wide open. Wide open? Field. Like, it was like he's the only man on the field. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. that kind of broke their back. Then towards the end, I kind of give them a break because – the run play kind of just – you don't expect a guy to break off a 30-plus yard run at the end. But yeah, 21 points, you can't have it happen. When there's a 10-point lead, everybody wants to also look at Kyle Shanahan because now these are two Super Bowls. He's had a 10-point lead at least in the fourth quarter, and he hasn't won either. He had the great collapse against the Patriots. And there's a pretty good-sized collapse against the Chiefs. 10 points, six and a half minutes left. You know where you're getting the ball at least once in one of those six and a half minutes. All you have to do is try to run some clock. And they couldn't. They, for some reason, went to passing. Everybody said they should have stuck with the run. 
yes and no. I get why people say run it because it runs the clock. But they had Terrell Suggs, who is in his late 30s, end of his career, against George Kittle, who is one of the, if not the best tight end in the game right now. That is a matchup you take every single time. All that happened was Chris Jones got his big old paws up in the air and tipped the ball every time. I mean, that's really, if you're going to look at a hero of the game, it's him, fourth quarter, on those final drives. He tipped a bunch of passes, and that changed everything. I think um, I, my, my note I wrote down is the defense fell down, and Jimmy G lost his aim. He couldn't throw the ball in the ocean. Yeah, but again, it also he had at least two first downs hit at the, at the line of scrimmage, which doesn't happen very often. It's a lot of timing for the defensive guy. The one pass he should have had was the deep pass to Emmanuel Sanders that he was wide open. All he had to do was drop it in the bucket, and he overshot the bucket. Yeah, by 20 feet. That was terrible. It was. So I think the, so the aim was. wasn't there. Um, I think the, uh, the, the offensive line, which has been pretty stellar, I, I, they got tired. Yeah, got but tired you also have to trust those big boys at the end. You yeah. got to put put the ball in the running back's hand. That's what your bread and butter was all all postseason. You he did Kyle Shanahan. The reason people I think are having a gripe with him is he did exactly what they did when he was the Falcons' offensive coordinator. They went away what, from what was working. They were breaking off big runs against the Patriots he in was Atlanta. To that Jimmy G could throw the ball. Yeah, uh, I think he was trying to mess with the defense and throw them off because they probably were expecting runs. So maybe he he was doing play action because it had been working for him all game long. That's how they had the 20 to 10 lead. Yeah. The issue was most of that game, there was not a lot of pressure on Jimmy G. They said in the final seven passes he had that he was rushed, he was 0 for 7 with, I think, an interception. Not great. That's not that's not winning any Super Bowls. I know he has two, but he had no part in either of those. Absolutely. And then the other side of the ball, you had uh, the the newbie come into that game, a little shaky, got new- his groove on in the third quarter, Mahomes. And oh, I was that, like, I, that kid could throw the ball. Can you call him a newbie? He's, he's oh. the reigning MVP. <laughs> okay. All right. But he's now the he's the QB in the Super Bowl. He's going up again. It's a big game for him. He's a little nervous. He plays a little nervous, but just like every other big game, comes from behind, and he could throw that ball and hit a target like nobody's business. Oh, he can throw it a country mile. Oh, it, it, amazing. And, of course, it is easier to hit a target when there's not a defensive player in sight. But it is kind of hard to time Tyreek Hill's speed. <laughs> it's, uh, But, hey, hats off. I, I, I picked Jimmy G because he was a Patriot, and I thought they yeah. had a chance. What with your heart? I did. I went. I went with my brain. I knew the. Ch- I knew I big. Yeah, but, I hey, knew you, big red. You didn't ask me to bet. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, you should have known better, though. Still, you go with Andy Reid. The bye week stats. I get Kyle. The 49ers are great, but most people think they were a year ahead of schedule with where they wanted to be. So, I mean, overall successful year for the 49ers. NFC champions. You take that. The Super Bowl would have been just the cherry on top. But this team went from disaster last year to in the Super Bowl this year. Most fans take that. It's only the bandwagon fans who don't understand the game 
that are calling for Jimmy G's head and Kyle Shanahan's head. I get what they were trying to do. And let's be honest, if one of those passes that got deflected gets through and gets to Kittle and it's a first down, nobody's saying anything. Absolutely. Nothing is being said at all. So you have that. I'm happy for Andrew Reid, though. Uh, One thing I definitely noticed about him that my wife pointed out to me was at the end of the game, he loved hugging all his players and all his coaches and everything. But right when his wife got to him, he did not let go of her hand the entire time. He brought her everywhere. And then the next morning made the best comment a husband can make when he said, I didn't get to spend the night with the Lombardi trophy. I spent it with my trophy wife. I mean, talk about trophy wife is a compliment, but in that situation, that that's a, that's the compliment. He's saying you're better than the Super Bowl, sweetie. So it's pretty high praise. It was kind of, I'm watching the, the post game, saw the same type of thing. That man was speechless. He was, I mean, 20, it's his 21st year yep. as a coach, second Super Bowl ever. He's made it to the, at least when he was with the Eagles, NFC what championship. was his first one again? Yeah, let's not, let's not, okay? Okay. We're having All a right. nice conversation here. Okay. He made plenty of NFC Yeah. We, okay. All right. Plenty. Just, but I'm complimenting the guy. He won it. He was a gentleman about it. Can't finish my thought. You know what else impressed me? The fact that he said, I want to go get a cheeseburger. No, he was speechless. And his young quarterback at 24 years old steps like, up and step. What? It sounds like Kermit the Frog. He does. Oh, my God. He sounds like his, his voice is about eight octaves too high. I'm going to Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> Ribbit. Anyway, he stepped up and he spoke very eloquently. That, that's the best word <laughs> for Kermit the Frog. Ribbit. Well, you had already done the uh, you had already done the impression, and I can't outdo you on an impression. But again, I, congratulations to Andy Reid. The guy played a great game. The team did well by him. He's speechless. He was overwhelmed. He did. I did notice he had his wife by the hand, um, kept her right by his side, shared it with her. It was important to him. But when he was speechless, the kid stepped up and. Spoke eloquently about the game and how they won together and how the coach was a great coach. So, all in all, pretty good. And this is a team that, if they keep their core, could be the representative for the AFC over the next few years. It could be the only team in the NFL that doesn't trade their quarterback this year. (laughs) Yeah, or is a free agent. He's going to get a huge deal. Absolutely. He's entering his final year of his contract, so he's going to get the bar set for every other quarterback, but nobody's as talented as him, so nobody else will get... He'll probably get around 35 to 40 a year. He'll, he might get that $40 million. So the broadcasters are all saying, best quarterback ever, best quarterback ever, and I said, boy, third year, I don't know if I'm saying best quarterback ever. Oh, ESPN, but, when they talk about him, they, they uh, like the morning show, they go, yeah. Hall of Fame quarterback, Patrick Mahomes this weekend, like I think they're the jumping the gun. High. <laughs> they are, but right now, first year as a starter, he's won MVP. Second year as a starter, he won the Super Bowl and Super Bowl MVP. So looking pretty good. I mean, it is looking there's, good. There's one other quarterback I can think of that you know kind of had that start to their career, but I think it was more reverse where they won the Super Bowl first and then the MVPs came. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
what he that man <laughs> made. You know what? We'll get into the commercials because no, enough about the game. All right. Spent the game was that. great. The it's, commercial. It, it's nice to watch a great, exciting game yes. until it, about halfway through the fourth quarter when it seemed to be a total meltdown. Yeah. But the commercials, we'll get to what you thought was the best commercial and some of the good ones. But the one that people definitely all took a moment and paused to really see what it said was when Tom Brady started walking in black and white down that tunnel. And he was like, I want to thank my teammates. I want to thank the fans. And then just goes, Hulu has live sports. I think all of New England in unison wanted to say, F you, Tom. You scared us to death. But then he said at the end? I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. So, mixed message. He's not retiring. (laughs) Boy, I don't know. I can't even imagine the conversation between Tom Brady, Robert Kraft, and I don't think the three of them are in the room together, and then the conversation between Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick, because I think this is a Tom Brady-Robert Kraft decision. Probably. But that son of a bitch tricked all of us with his commercial. He did. Everybody's jaw dropped. Now, I think there's a lot of people out there watching that commercial that said, hose bag, what's he doing out there? Hose bag. (laughs) Grandstanding. But Hulu didn't pick anybody else to do the ad. No. Well, they knew that. I mean, Hulu has some creative ads, and they definitely make sure the athletes are the star. But to have the thought to have him post that picture – Three days before the Super Bowl, that got everybody freaked out about it. So only to be a Hulu commercial. It was pretty good marketing. Not the best commercial of the night, though. What, what did it, you what, think the best commercial? I really liked the NFL 100. I thought that was clever. That was very clever. That was that was emotional, actually. Yes, with the especially with them saying to the kid, you know what to do. And then it cuts to the live shot of him running out actually onto the field to hand the referee the game ball right before. Yep. So I think that was clever with how they did that. Eight days to film that commercial. Yeah, it doesn't shock me. They had to go to a lot of places. Yep. But overall, I think I kind of liked, uh, it's probably not one of everybody's favorite, but I liked uh, the one with the guy Charlie from It's Always Sunny when he had the stain on his shirt. She was like, just, work, just clean it later. And he's like, but what's later? And he goes through, and then he's like an old man. He still has it. And he's like, is this later? And then she's like, Charlie, stop thinking about it too much. And then they kept like making it into the next few like commercial breaks that he'd pop up randomly talking about it. I thought that was clever because they also continued to work it in to different things. I'm not thinking it was as clever because I didn't quite get it. <laughs> I saw a guy with a laundry basket thinking he doesn't know where the washing machine is because he's walking around in the living room. I didn't know what it was. I didn't get it. <laughs> You didn't, did, you, did you not see that first commercial then? I must not have. I he was must at have the been Super very Bowl, busy. He was at a Super Bowl party sleeping. eating a wing and it dropped onto him and uh, sauce got everywhere. And he's okay, like, I gotta I go change my it. shirt. I gotta go clean it. I gotta go clean it right now. And his wife or whoever was next to him like, just do it later. And he's like, what's later? Halftime? After the game? Next week? A month from now? A year from now? What's and later? he was 100 years old. Yeah. And they're like I sitting on you. a bench. I and guess I should watch closer. The, the final commercial was like him as an old man and her and she sees him with like she's eating ice cream and he goes, look, I finally cleaned it. And she's like, you did. And then she like taps his shoulder with ice cream hand and gets another stain on his shirt. And he's like, why? I saw that. 
But I didn't so get I like it. Now I do. I like that series of commercials. I think you have to be from the Boston area to like the Hyundai commercial, South Park. Smart Park? Smart Park. With the I'm not buying a car. I'm not buying a car that I'm not buying a car that parks itself. Parks you, itself. One day you might, because you know, I think a lot are going that way. Teslas drive themselves to you. Yeah, did you see the guy driving down the highway asleep? Yep. Not a good thing. I mean, not for you, but that guy got a great nap. So if I smart park my car like that, how hard is the guy going to jam his door into the side of my car to dent it? Because that's, that's not a smart idea. Why? What guy is doing that? I don't know. They, can't cl- they clearly can't get in that door, so they have to get in their car and back up. Oh, so you're going like way too in-depth in this commercial. My favorite part of the ad was Big Poppy leaning out the window. Did you know he lived there? I had no <laughs> idea. You could have been. Were you in that commercial? I might have been. I might have actually been throwing my voice for a John Krasinski. Don't tell anybody. I like that ad. That was a, that was okay. That was a good one. I think the one that the emotional one that got everybody was the Google Assistant. Yeah. With not sister. I don't know why I just said assistant. Assistant. Assist. Assistant. You know Sist- the Google Assistant. <laughs> I, I got the Boston accent still in my head. The Google Assistant, and. Everybody's like, this is so sad. The guy has to be reminded of his wife and all that. It was, yeah, it was sad, but I mean, it was also slightly depressing for the Super Bowl. Yes. Yes. Pretty clever. So all in all, eh, the ads were okay. I said, I didn't think there was a lot of big brands this year that like really, I felt like usually Doritos has a few big commercials. Coke yeah, has they had the, uh, they had the uh, popcorn, right? The uh, Cheeto, Cheeto popcorn. Cheeto, yeah, yeah, the Cheetos one was clever. Can't touch this. MC Hammer making yeah. making his money don't in those Hammer Time pants. That one all shows you you just gotta get one really catchy song and you are set for life. That was one of those songs where somebody got sued, right? Didn't I mean, uh, Vanilla Ice copy him or something? I can't remember. No, Vanilla Ice. It was with Queen. Yep. Or one of those. Speaking of Vanilla Ice, did you catch real quick the Masked Singer after the Super Bowl? I did not, and I do like the show, but I was spent. I needed to go um, to bed. The white tiger on the show is Gronkowski by a mile, and it's not even close to figure out if it's him or not. Really? Yes. He walked up. His first song was Ice Ice Baby, but he talks about, they're like, they've referenced the fact that people on the show have been in multiple Super Bowls. And he's like, after his clues were like, after a long injury ridden time i like to dance to get my health back he's like and i really like to be around mass of groups of people and like kept referencing he was trying to get out of the show yeah he's still in it after two eliminations so little wayne was the first one kicked off and then drew carey spoiler alert was the other night yeah it was uh wasn't he a donkey or a unicorn or a llama come on white four legs you know, you know the animal. Mama Lama. Yeah. So that was a quick side thing with Gronk in there. But so we had some prop bets too. We'll get through those real quick and then we'll get into the Mookie stuff. So some of the prop bets, I actually changed. I said I thought Demi Lovato was going to go over the two minutes, four seconds. I actually changed it on Sunday. I was like, you know what? I think she actually is going to go under. She did. So I should have put like actual money on that. Yeah, she uh, she did well. Did a great she did. job. Boy, she's got some lungs. Yeah. 
She timed yeah. it perfect for the flyover. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure they practiced it a few times. I think they just practiced the singing. I don't think they practiced the flyover. That's what you think. I think I know. Or they say, hey, this is how long she's going to go. You fly over at this point. That's it. That's probably how that works. Yeah. And they drown around anyway. I mean, those things, they're passed before they make the noise anyway. Yes. I mean, I did some prop bets, family prop bets. We had the sheet going. I killed it the first, like, six questions, and then I went dry. I mean, how was there no no pit bull? How is Mr. Miami... Not on that stage, Mr. Worldwide. I who actually thought it with was going to be. Them. I thought it was going to be your ex-husband. You thought uh, Mark Anthony Mark was going to be. I, I, again, Mr. Miami. Yeah, but not like Pitbull. Yeah, the Miami mice. <laughs> what? You, it's a sesame. It's a sesame street shtick. You always on get, I was saying, you always get one reference in that I am like, huh? Yes. But yeah, I was surprised uh, about that. I also thought the show was going to be different. I didn't expect it to be essentially two separate shows. And then they come together for like the final two songs. I thought they were going to be... Ex- yeah, I thought it was exactly what it was going to be, though. See, I thought they were going to be more intertwined throughout the whole thing. I think that would happen if their egos weren't so big. I mean, both of them are pretty big, especially in the Latin world with yep. music. Hey, so. I told you, I think she's a better actress than singer. She did a great job. Hey, you got to give her that. And she's got to have some strength in that body to get on that dancing pole. Oh, yeah. Which she got plenty some, of people she got, had an issue with, which. Oh, my God. I, I, really? Get over it's not like. And then the, they said the outfit. She had a full body suit on, for God's sakes. I think those are the people that can't see the TV. Well, I think also, if you if you probably go back a year or so, those people probably also were the same ones going, you know, Adam Levine and Maroon 5 did a great job in their halftime show, even though he was shirtless the whole time. Well, that's. Double standard. Well, exactly. Welcome to America. (laughs) It was definitely not the people that saw Janet Jackson have a wardrobe (laughs) malfunction. But we were all hoping for it again. (laughs) But I'm bummed. Well, again, I thought they did a great job, and they're not teenagers. No. 49 and 52? No, Shakira's 43. 43 and 41, something like that. Yeah. Either way, heck of a job. By the way, did you see Alex Rodriguez in the crowd? The video he posted. No. So, know how the fans, like, once the show starts, they kind of have them all run onto the field yeah, right they, when it starts? they do the mob, the rush yeah. there. Yeah, he, like, literally had his camp video on him the whole time, and he's, like, running around with all these teenage, like, girls, like, running around around him, and he's, like, bumping into people, and, like, they're all high-fiving and having a great time. He looked like a t- very typical, like, nerdy dad and proud boyfriend type thing. Yeah. So it's just very funny to look at him now and go... This man used to strike fear into every starting pitcher anytime he stepped into the plate. And now he's just like, oh, my God, that I, that's my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I know her. She I likes her. me. <laughs> I love this song. So yeah, I got the first song wrong, but she, she did sing it. Everybody got the first song wrong. Yeah, we because they thought she'd lead song. off. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we got plenty of it wrong. I was really disappointed that Gatorade, Gatorade for the Chiefs wasn't red because – I thought it would be purple. I wanted it to be Kool-Aid Man, Andy Reid. Yeah. It was very disappointing in that. But I did get who MVP would be. It was going to be Mahomes. Williams definitely deserved it. He ran for over 100 yards, had a running touchdown and a catching touchdown. 
but you're going to give it to the quarterback, especially once you get a 21 point comeback. Unless he yeah. scored, unless the running backs got all three of that, those touchdowns, you knew it was going to Mahomes, even with two picks in the game. You know what they didn't do this year? They didn't give him a truck right on the field like they have in the past years. I felt like the post game was very rushed. Well, they had to get the mass singer on. I know, but that's why I feel like there might have been a truck, but I think they rushed it all. I didn't see it behind the stadium. Like they could have done it live in the stadium, but I didn't see it in <laughs> the stadium. You walked around outside going. No, I- no, is I was looking MVP on the truck? field. No. Is that the MVP truck? No. Is that the MVP truck? No. Damn. Well, when they gave Tom Brady the truck, he yeah. bought a truck for the guy that he thought should have had it. I mean, that post game took a while, I felt yeah, like. This but, one, fairly quick. And I thought it was a quick game, but clearly not. The second quarter was longer. The second half. The first half flew by, I felt like. Yep. Well, uh, long, long halftime show. Yes. Well, yeah. But, so... That was the game. Those were the commercials. Two things to touch on with the parade. First off, has any victory parade ever started off with a car chase? Well, so, no. I was going to say, did you know of one? No. I, I, I get, you know, the ones, of course, I watch are generally in duck boats. But they Just take... To everybody's the, face. <laughs> clearly, they drag the guy out of the car, and you can't see him because they're just all over him but the woman they took out of the passenger seat was quite a looker was she i didn't actually i don't know she had a belly shirt on and she had about a size 52 waist just saying oh very very classy looking lady and she was three sheets to the wind yeah well that's not shocking um especially because the other point of reference outside of the i mean by the way every victory parade should start off with a car chase it just gets well, the blood going. It gets the adrenaline pumping. The people are ready then. They're excited. They're like, I just witnessed somebody almost die. I almost died. Let's do this. I had topping it next year. <laughs> um, two cars. Opposite Smash up derby. Chicken. <laughs> Ooh. We're going to have to have some jersey barriers so people don't run off and get hit. Or you have jersey barriers set up as obstacles they have to avoid. Could be like a big whack-a-mole and have giant things come down and whack them. Yeah. Speaking of giant things coming down, did you see also the video of the bare-assed fan who fell out of a tree? I did not. <laughs> the chief, the chiefs came out and they came out hard. They got in car accidents and chases. And oh, this they was were in trees. Yes, this man was standing in a tree, but exposed to the whole world, and then went to try to move and fell. And slammed into the ground out of a tree. So do you think his clothes got caught and he fell out of his shorts? Or do you think he was just no, naked? No, his pants were already down while he was in the tree. He was like pulling him down. He was trying to moon people. <laughs> okay. That didn't he, work out for him? He was about seven sheets to the wind and then fell. <laughs> well, so was it what good? a way to take away the, the uh, excitement of a parade other than to add excitement to the parade. Good fun times in Kansas City, Kansas, as the president would say. Absolutely, Mr. Geography, <laughs> right? By the way, we do know Kansas City is in Missouri, just just for anybody wondering. They're thinking we're geographically challenged. Yeah. So, must be the orange hair. Must be the orange hair. Who's orange hair? The president. Well, it used to be orange. Uh, now it's kind I of... thought you were talking about us. I was like, neither of us have orange hair. <laughs> no, we don't. So anyway, so that was that was the parade. That was the Super Bowl. Now it's time to talk 
about Mookie Betts. Sadly, pending physicals, he's going to be a Dodger. It, it doesn't roll off the tongue well yet. It still kind of leaves a sour taste. But in the long run, I think it was the best thing to have happen. But initial thoughts, at least, on hearing the news the other night that Mookie Betts was going to be traded to the Dodgers, along with David Price. Well, I really think that we could have dug into our pockets. It was clearly a luxury tax move, and I get it. It's a business. And at the end of the day, the Super Bowl is over. The 49ers go home. It's their job. We have fans lamenting. We have fans tearing down light light poles in Kansas City, Kansas, (laughs) in Kansas City, Missouri, and partying up a storm. The players are going to Disney World having a little couple of cocktails and enjoying themselves. It's their job. So I, I people get nutty over this stuff. So at the end of the day, Mookie Betts has a job. Yeah. Mookie Betts' job is to make as much money as he can. I don't think if – let's pretend you're an architect on a show on the Hallmark Channel, and they're going to give you $100,000 a year, but someone else, else is going to give you $2 million. Where are you going to work? Well, where's that two million job, huh? Yeah. Well, who cares, right? I, in my, if it's in the Arctic, well, I'm not going. Well, what, I'm getting my did, three cardigans, and I'm working for Hallmark. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, and you're gonna meet someone making gingerbread houses. Yes. So I, I'm sad Mookie Betts is leaving, but Mookie Betts is doing what Mookie Betts needs to do. I well, do think the Red Sox. <laughs> I do telling think, him he has to go. I, I think the Red Sox um, absolutely could have kept him and could have paid him. I know you are on the side of he might not sustain, but he might. So the jury's out. Now we're going to get two guys, I can't even pronounce one of their names, the outfielder. Alex Verdugo? Yeah, Verdugo. I think it's the, I think it's the pitcher more so. Bruzdal Graturo. Oh, him too. Yeah, I think he, his name's a bit harder, but he's the one that's also holding everything up. So, because we don't know how healthy he is. His shoulder, the physical exams have made the Red Sox skeptical about his shoulder. I mean, the guy, when healthy, can throw a sinker over 100 miles per hour, which I don't really think you can teach that. I don't think that's something that you can just go out and be like, hey, you, I'm going to teach you this. So that's pretty impressive. I mean, that's a $400, that's a yeah. $400 million sinker. Yeah, but not as a relief. Just saying. <laughs> uh, but if he, I saw him as a relief pitcher. Apparently, the Red Sox were viewing him as a starter, so that's why the issues, especially, are there. So, like his shoulder, if it can't sustain as a starter, we have issues. This trade's going to happen at some point, some way. Mainly because even if they have to take him out, there are other plans in place. Apparently, probably most likely involving the Red Sox and the Dodgers solely sending more pieces or money one way or the other. Because part of the reason people are mad is they don't think the Red Sox got enough back. They got two guys. I get it. You sent away David Price, who is probably your best pitcher going into the season because you don't know about Chris Sale right now. And you sent away the second or third best outfielder in all of baseball, MVP two years ago, one of the few guys to make it to the 30-30 club. Like, yeah, best developed talent probably ever through your system. All this, you can go down the list. Sounds like Jeff Bagwell. Yes, but at the same time, you're also getting under the luxury cap, which helps the Red Sox reset their money. 
which yes, they could have paid him, but they basically would have been having to pay $50, $60 million on top of whatever his deal is because of the tax, which what's the point? It's just going to keep getting worse year after year where you're going to be paying crazy amounts of money of for just nothing, essentially. But they get a, back a guy who can start in right field immediately, has some thump, hits for average, and 300-something at-bats last year. He hit 298, had 12 home runs. So not terrible. That's a pretty decent outfielder. And then you have this guy, relief pitcher. My guess is if they have to change things and take away, we might get another good prospect or two middle prospects. But the other aspect is they took David Price and his contract. Yes, the Red Sox have to pay half of it, but it's $96 million owed to him over the next three years. And his arm has not been the most reliable in-season health-wise. So that has to be factored in. Everybody's just like, we didn't get enough for Mookie. Well, yeah, but you also got rid of David Price and his contract. And the Boston media is very happy that Price is gone. Yeah, that's not a love loss there for sure. No, the Boston media absolutely despised David Price. And they never really liked him even when he first got signed. Before he even stepped on the mound, they kind of had issues with him. Which I always, I never minded David Price. I know everybody was mad, especially after the Eckersley stuff that happened with him. But I'm like, whatever. Who cares? As long as he can throw six innings and get me only three runs against him, I don't care what he does. I don't, I don't care what he says. Unless he's saying something truly despicable and you're just like, uh, no, he just didn't like Eckersley and what he said about his own, his teammates. He defended his teammates and people didn't like how he did it. Yeah. I, I think, um, in the business move of it makes sense for the Red Sox. I think people think with their heart, you hate to see a young guy that fill the seats. I don't think we're not going to fill the seats. No, probably Fenway, not. Fenway Park with a 1.7% increase in ticket price, still one of the highest price tickets out there. The most uncomfortable park to watch a game. For somebody like yourself, it, unless you get the right seat in the right section, it is god-awful. Because I'm but, tall, right? Absolutely. And they will, <laughs> well, and plus the people in front of you like that knee in the head. Yeah. So it is good. It's the worst knee, knee room. Let me put it that way. Yeah. And I do believe that no, their seats are made for people that are like five to eight and 150 pounds. And by the way, that's who used to watch the game when they built that stadium. Exactly. So, and they all wore a two piece suit and a top, uh, 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 fedora. What do you call those hats? Top hats. Anyway, well, not a top hat, but a hat. It, it's, and a tie. Imagine Bully hats that. or whatever. I don't know. I'll have Something to look, like Google it. But anyway, it's a business. They did what they needed to do. In six months, it'll be coming close to the end of the season. And whoever is on the team, the seats will be full and we'll have yeah. a new love. Uh, I mean, it's how it's going to go. The team is still, I think, a competitive team. When you look at it, they lost Mookie, yes, but they still have... Devers and Bogarts and Benatendi, they still have plenty of power in that lineup. They still have guys that can play. I mean, have they Bogarts. Signed, signed Benatendi yet? No, but yeah. I think he has another year or so or two yeah. years of control. But they have Bogarts and Devers who were both top MVP type guys last year. They were the first teammates to have, I forget how many, if it was like 30 home runs and so however many doubles or something. Yeah. On the I same think Bogart's team. got better. He performed yeah. better last year. J.D. Martinez is still going to be a power hitter. So, yes, as long as this guy, Alex Verdugo, can come in, if he can give 20 home runs and hit for 300, I'm going to take it because guess what? Mookie 
It's great. But he's not he hasn't been consistent. Well, this how many is the times, one thing I don't How many get. times are we going to play the Dodgers next year? I actually don't know. There might be a three-gamer series yeah. at some point. Yeah. But I said it. I wrote an article about it. Mookie wants Mike Trout money. He's not Mike Trout. Mike Trout is literally two steps above every other outfielder and player in Major League Baseball. Mookie Betts is all along a Christian Yelich-type level, who has won MVPs, hits 30-plus home runs, hits average, hits RBIs, can steal bases. If I'm the Red Sox, I let my fans know we tried. We offered 10 million, 10 years for 300 million. 10 million definitely would have said no. Yeah. 10 years, 300 million. That's 30 million a year. Even if they pushed it to the 12-year mark, I would have at least only gone up to 375 at most. Mookie is a good player, but I don't want a guy costing me 30 something million in age 37, 38, 39 when you're going to be on the decline. It only hurts right now because he's 27, entering his prime. So the one thing, though, that is funny, with this move, with resetting the luxury tax and all of that, the Red Sox become one of the few teams in the league next offseason that can pursue an MVP-type corner outfielder by the name of Mookie Betts. So for all we know, he'll be back on the team. He could be back on the team if they give him the most money. Wouldn't that be something? That would be they great. They basically would have then fleeced the Dodgers to give away Mookie for a year, reset. They get a decent prospect, an outfielder that would probably then replace Jackie Bradley Jr. because he would be able to hit better for average and power. And then you'd have potentially an outfield of Benatendi, Betts, and this guy, Verdugo. And then people would be like, what the... What just happened? <laughs> and then Haim Bloom would be the most... Uh, Highly thought of yeah. GM out there. But just imagine if that happens. It probably won't, but it's a nice It'd little dream that Red Sox fans can have. If now really you got us to. thinking about it till next year. Yeah. So, I mean, you can, you can throw that out there. You can hope. You can pray. Maybe Mookie goes to L.A. and goes, you know what? I don't want to be here. Boston's my kind of town. He said uh, Boston uh, was his home, uh, but. Da, 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 boom. Oh, sorry. That is it's okay. That is the one thing that did bother me about this. He told Jim Rice that Boston is his home and he wanted to play here forever. Xander Bogarts felt the same way last year. Do you know what type of contract he took? A six year, $120 million deal. That is below his market value. But he liked Boston. He wanted to be here for the long haul. So he took a team, a better, a team-friendly deal. I mean, he's still getting paid as one of the better shortstops. But if Mookie truly wanted to be in Boston for his career, three hundred million would have been enough. Three hundred million, maybe, maybe not even three hundred million. If he went back and said, ten years, three hundred fifty million, ten years, like or twelve years, three seventy-five. If he went anything except to what he did with the Mike Trout level, maybe it would have been different. The hardest thing was J.D. Martinez opting in really put the strain on the luxury tax and something had to be done. This is what had to be done. If this team wants to stay successful, if this franchise wants to stay successful like they have been over the past two decades and continue that, you got to make some tough moves. It was either do this or collapse and have a long, long rebuild. Well, they got to get the farm team together too. Well, that's exactly what it is. The fans had to kind of the fans have to kind of come to the realization that 
it was either 10 years of maybe rebuilding because of all the money you spent and all the issues you had, or take a year or two off, reset, and still try to be competitive and be able to pay guys and bring in good talent the following years. Well, so we uh, solve one problem uh, or we give away Moogie bets. We'll get a bunch more. <laughs> the elephant in the room is, are we any closer to getting a coach? Uh, the report for the Red Sox apparently is going to be coming out soon. I think if that comes out and it's not as scathing as people first initially thought, our bench coach, uh, I think it's Ron Roenicke, yeah. would end up being the manager as long as he's not implicated in any major way. I think that's yeah, what they're waiting yeah, for. Yeah, you absolutely can come out before the before no, the report. I think that's what they're waiting for. If that's if the report comes out and it's scathing, then I think they then go into okay, this X, Y, and Z we need to interview. It'll probably be one of these people. But I think if it's not, they're going to go with Roenicke, the bench coach, and the staff that's on hand, and go from there. Well, they got some talent on the team. They got a good year ahead of them, and wouldn't it be great if they went it without Mookie? <laughs> Against Mookie would be even funnier. Yeah. How about yeah. this? Let's just, can we all disagree on one thing? Anybody but the Yankees. Oh, my God. That's it. That's really what it comes down to, because Yankee fans have talked so much trash. We wrote, we, You and I both root for the Red Sox and anybody that's playing the Yankees. Yep. Tampa Bay can win. I, I mean, I really Baltimore. Hey, you know what? You take a run at it. I don't. I don't care. Anybody but the Yankees. I am happy with. Agree. It's just like in football. You don't agree with this, but we all say it. Anybody but the Patriots. So you know, until the Tom Brady leaves, then you know so, what? Fine, whatever. <laughs> so, in my heart of hearts, Tom Brady plays for the Patriots next year. Yeah, no, I'm just getting the feeling. I'm getting the feeling he and Bob Kraft have already decided it. Probably, but let's see if they bring in any talent. If they don't bring in any offensive weapons, it's not happening. Yeah, they got to do something. They Even gotta, if they, they bring gotta... it back, it's just not happening. <laughs> yeah, Gronk. I don't know. We had Bob Kraft at Gronk's uh, Super Bowl party. Yeah, he, had he had everybody there. Bill was even there. Yeah, crazy. But all right, I'm going to talk about the NBA trade deadline, Paul. So this is, I think, where we part ways. Oh, I always enjoy this. I, I always say, hate oh, to say, I know a lot about the NBA trade deadline. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, I was watching a, a piece on it and I shut it off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll leave that to you. I am, you. you know, I'm not an NBA fan. You? Yeah, I don't know. I like watching playoffs, the, hockey the playoffs, time. hockey playoffs, basketball playoffs. Yeah, if you come I'll here for the NHL talk, talk. Yeah. come here for the hockey talk. Move yeah, on to you're not the any. It's on twelve. Well, just you know what you say about that. Yeah. Fuck that. Okay. All right. Well, Greg, thanks for having me. I good uh, talking always to you enjoy, well. I always enjoy the kibitzing over the uh, these wonderful topics. Yeah, well, I'm glad. Maybe maybe next week we'll get back into the swing of things and we'll just get some fun facts. All right, I'll get a tidbit or two. Yeah, I think you I think you mentioned something about boners before, trade boners. Oh, I, I get some trade boners, and, you know, yeah. every team we'll, makes them. Yeah. We'll cover how – about, how about this? Teaser for next week. All right. Trade there boners next week. Trade boners. Might just be the title of this episode just because. Trade comma. Yeah. No.
All right, let's move on. All right, talk to you later. Go talk about the NBA. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye. Paul's Pylon. And now we're going to move on to the NBA trade deadline. Before we do, though, just a quick reminder. The Sports Dance is brought to you by Seat Giant. If you're looking for the best tickets on your concert and sporting needs, go to Seat Giant. We're going to get the best deal for you, your friends, your family, anybody you need tickets for. And when you do, use promo code 12OUNCESPORTS. That's 1-2-O-Z-SPORTS to get an even better deal. Remember, there's only one place to go to get all your sporting and concert ticket needs, and that is Seat Giant. So don't miss out on great prices and great deals. And when you go there, make sure you use the promo code 12OUNCESPORTS. That's 1-2-O-Z-SPORTS. Now let's get into the NBA trade deadline because, wow, I don't think I've seen a trade deadline like that in quite some time. Every time I hit refresh on Twitter yesterday, new trade, new trade, new person on the move, new thing happening here. We have Iggy the night before getting traded from Memphis, his purgatory, to the Heat. Then the Heat tried to get Nilo Gallinari. That didn't work out. Couldn't come to an agreement on an extension. He wanted three years guaranteed. They were willing to give two, plus a player option. What their team option wasn't good enough for him. So we had that going on. Yet Andre Drummond literally traded away for peanuts. They might think I'm exaggerating, but literally peanuts. He was traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers, who, last I checked, were not one of the teams that you would expect to go to the NBA Finals this year. Or even make the playoffs. And if they do, compete in the playoffs. Like, it's just not happening. But they traded him away. I mean, for John Henson, Brandon Knight, and a second round draft pick in 2023? One of the most dominant centers in the game. A rebound machine. A guy that is going to provide you at least like a 2020, potentially any night of the week. And you give him away. For two expiring contracts and a second round pick. Where were you Boston Celtics with all these amazing picks? These first round picks that you've held on to for guys like this. You're in need of defensive big man. Drummond's that guy. He can block shots. He can grab rebounds. I mean, he's what you need for your team to get that extra edge against Giannis and the Sixers and the Raptors. All you had to do was offer two first-rounders and a bench guy. Pretty sure you could have gotten Drummond. But instead, the Cavs? Like, it just made zero zero sense to me. Along, by the way, with that Andre Godala trade, you had him moving. Deion Waiters, Justice Winslow, and James Johnson were going to the Grizzlies. Iggy, Solomon Hill, and Jay Crowder go back to the Heat. And then the Minnesota Timberwolves later joined the deal where they got James Johnson in exchange for Gorgie Dieng. So, big deal there. The two biggest deals, though, probably of the day, were the Clippers land at Marcus Morris, who was essentially, it was between the Clippers and the Lakers to get Morris. The Lakers needed Morris more. I get that the first team in the Western Conference, they've been very good this year. They already have Anthony Davis and LeBron James. But here's the thing. 
They need another rotation guy like Morris who can provide solid points and rebounds night in, night out. They didn't want to trade away Kyle Kuzma. I get it. You think Kuzma still has something special to prove, and he does. He has nights where he goes off, and he looks like he's that third piece that you need. And then there's nights that he just looks like a dude with blonde highlights that just doesn't know what's happening. So you were going to trade away a known, a somewhat iffy commodity for a known one in Morris. That would have solidified this team and definitely made him the odds-on favorite for the finals. Instead, they go, he goes to the same building, just the other side. And now you have Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Morris teaming up. I mean, Zubak is a good center, but those three on the court, it's going to be a hard team to beat because... They have size and speed. They might not have center size, but it's going to get made up for it with what they can do movement. Centers aren't going to be able to stop that ball movement. It's just a fact. So Lakers could have done what they needed to to get a guy like Morris and give him that extra push going into the playoffs. But instead, they let the Clippers come away with him all because they couldn't deal with the thought of getting rid of Kyle Kuzma. I don't know what type of hold Kyle Kuzma has over the Lakers, whether it's the front office. I know the whole genie bus thing was a rumor back in the summer when they were trying to get rid of him. But man, that kid has nine lives. He's a talent. I get it. Very talented. Can shoot the outside shot. Get he skilled. But still, is there like nobody in the league you're willing to give him up for? He's cheap. I get it. But come on. I would take Marcus Morris over Kyle Kuzma. And the Knicks basically said, if you do that, trade's good. We're good. And they didn't want to. They didn't want to give him up. But that wasn't the biggest deal. Nope. The Drummond one deal wasn't the biggest deal. That wasn't the biggest deal. The Iggy deal wasn't the biggest. D'Angelo Russell is now a Timberwolf. Him and Cat are teaming up in Minnesota the number one and two picks from 2015. It's pretty impressive to have the number one and two draft picks, both actually very talented. Not all the time you can say that. Greg Oden, perfect example. I know injuries played a part, but still. Now you just need your little Okafor. Get number one, two, and three. That's not going to happen. But anyway, so D'Angelo Russell moves from the Golden State Warriors to the Timberwolves. The Wolves send back Andrew Wiggins, a 2021 top three protected first round draft pick and a 2021 second round pick. And they'll also send Jacob Evans and Amari Spellman to the Timberwolves. The Warriors literally, I think, have sent away six of their 14 players on their roster from the beginning of the season, including Russell, who was supposed to be the third Splash Brother. And it was the main reason that whole KD to Brooklyn thing got made. Essentially... He probably would have gone to the Timberwolves this last summer, but because of the deal that was going to get made with Brooklyn, he went to the Warriors. Didn't seem like it was going to be the worst thing, teaming up with Steph without Clay for a season. You still have Draymond on there. Steph gets hurt. Clearly the Warriors are in rebuild, clear money type mode this season. And next year they'll reset, have Steph and Clay and Draymond all back, see if they can get that magic back again and make a run at it. And now they'll have Wiggins. Now, honestly, Wiggins is one of those guys that you're like, is he good? Is he not good? 
What is he? Well, I think with the Warriors, he's going to definitely take on that Harrison Barnes type role. And I think he's going to thrive in it. I think with guys like Steph and Clay on the outside, his assist numbers are going to go up. He's going to be driving the lane. It's going to be cleared out because you can't leave those two guys on the corners behind the three-point line wide open. Because if you crash on Wiggins, he's kicking it out. So he just adds that threat. He's like Harrison Barnes, but better. Which, I mean, is it that hard to be better? No offense, Harrison Barnes. But I actually think this deal works out better for the Warriors in the long run than it does for the T-Wolves. Especially for a team that, despite having a top five center talent, top like 20 player talent, has lost, I think, what is it, 17 or 18 straight games? Or at least with him in the lineup. They'll definitely win now that Russell's there. But will be interesting. The pick and roll should be phenomenal. I will say that. That should be a dangerous pick and roll combo between the two of those guys. So both sides, you know, the deal works out. Timberwolves get better. Don't really know how if Wiggins ever truly fit in in Minnesota. They tried, but I just don't think it ever was going to clearly work. So this works out, gives a fresh start to him. Russell gets to go where he probably has a little more ability to shine. So good, I mean, good overall trade. The trade deadline, though, was just crazy. Those were the three, three, four big trades. You had other trades. Clint Capella went to Atlanta. Completely forgot about that for a second. Another guy the Celtics were looking for. Just couldn't make work. Again, all these first-round draft picks, Danny Ainge, Danny Deal, couldn't get done. Don't know what they're doing in Boston, but they're not getting talent like they were supposed to with these first-round draft picks and all these assets that they so clearly treasured when trying to trade for big names like Anthony Davis. If you're not using them for Anthony Davis, if you're not using them for Clint Capella, who are you waiting for? I just don't get it. But those were... All the bigger trades that happened, there were smaller trades, like I said, Warriors traded Alec Burks, different guys here and there got traded, names that, honestly, most of us don't care about in the long run. They're just pieces getting given to teams, you know, 7th, 8th type guys in rotations. But Iggy, finally getting out of Memphis, Drummond, getting out of Detroit and ending up in Cleveland, the poor guy. Then you have Russell, you have Wiggins, those are the big deals. That's what happened at the trade deadline. Biggest winner by far, I actually think, are the Warriors and the Cavaliers. You got Andre Drummond, like I said, for peanuts. And the Warriors got Wiggins, who I think in the long run will work better with Stephen Clay and Draymond. People I know are making jokes about Draymond and Wiggins maybe not getting along. But still, I think overall, he's going to fit better into that system in the long run and actually get the Warriors back into contention with the Splash Brothers next year. And Drummond, who knows, maybe him and Kevin Love form this dominant rebounding duo. Who knows? No idea. I do know the buyout market is going to be now where everything is at. You have guys like Isaiah Thomas, who were part of the Clippers deal with Morris, who are going on the buyout market. You have Darren Collinson, whose services are going to be now looked at because he's now coming out of retirement. Most likely the Lakers are getting him. But who knows, maybe Isaiah Thomas ends up back in Boston. Get a little bit of magic there. That's the trade deadline, though. Besides that, we'll see how it goes. The most interesting thing I will keep an eye on, and we'll talk about it maybe a little more depending on how it works out, 
is Houston deciding to basically go without a center for the rest of the season. Like, they're going to probably try to pick up a guy or two here. But they got Clint Compella gone and basically said, hey, P.J. Tucker, you're now our center. They're going to be playing small ball the rest of the year, which I guess if you have James Harden and Russell Westbrook, who are just going to take deep threes and drive the lane and not play defense, I guess who cares? If the threes are going in, you're going to win. I'm going to guess that's already like a key phrase somewhere, but that that should be a shirt. The threes are going in, you're going to win. Just a really good slogan. If it's not trademarked, trademark it by the sports dance, by me, Greg, plain and simple. That's going to wrap it up for me, though. Hopefully you enjoyed. Paul and I talk about the Super Bowl, wrapping that up. The Mookie Betts trade situation, NBA trade deadline. By the way, if you haven't, I talk about why the Mookie Betts trade was inevitable on 12 Ounce Sports. You can go read that article. Go just subscribe to this podcast through 12 Ounce Sports or on just on Spotify, whatever you want to do. But enjoy your weekend and talk to you next week. Once again, my name is Greg. This has been my stance on sports. Have a good one, everybody. The Sports Dance.